Good morning, everybody. Didn't these guys do an awesome job leading us in worship this morning? Hey, we're continuing today in our series called Together, looking at the values and vision that God has given us here at Rimrock Church. And we're proclaiming together that, that these are values that we get to live out together, uh, both with God and that we get to live together as a church body. Um, when reflecting on this idea of together, have you ever found in your life the blessing of how everything is better together in relationship? You know, it's incredible how God has blessed us by creating us this way that, that we are made to do life together. You know, I, I've heard it said that relationships increase the joys that life has to offer and they soften the blows that life brings our way as well. You know, when looking at the history of man, incredible, incredible things happen when people join together under one vision and a certain set of values. Companies become successful, organizations thrive, and even nations rise up with the people together under such unity, much like our very own country here in the U.S. I know for me, my life has, drastically impacted, has been drastically impacted by the sense of together. My, my family, my friends, my partners in ministry, my students, together has made the blessed life that God has given me even more so blessed. And, and more than any of that, we are called to do life together with God. Isn't that incredible? That the God of the universe wants to do life with you. You know, as we walk forward and, and look ahead as a church, it's also good to, to look backwards together and to look at the values that we have and, and how they've played out and to see just how God has placed those values into the lifeblood of the church. It's incredible when we do this to see the testimony of these things in the real life hearts and lives of those sitting in this very room. You see, values are concepts or, or strongholds that show what is important to us. We take these pillars and we build who we are from them. So really, they're kind of a big deal. They're, they're important to evaluate. They really define who we are, what we do, and what we deem worthy of our sacrifice and our time and our efforts. And ultimately, you know, our time on this earth is so short. I just celebrated another birthday. Man, those just come, keep coming quicker and quicker each year, right? You know, so for us to proclaim certain values that, that will direct our lives and who we are as a body, it's really important. And that might sound a bit dramatic, that's fair, but, but our prayer is that as leaders of the church, these values that we are talking about, and that more than that, that we put at the, the core of who we are, they're not just values that, that we've come up with and set because we, we think they sound good, because there's far too much on the line for them to be just that. Rather, our prayer is that they are values that God has given us that we live out together with him. Last week, Ben talked about how, the, how our values are, are really, they really are just what we love, right? And, and that goes for all of us, that, that there are evidence of these values in our lives far beyond what we just say that we value, right? Like that if we look at our, our checkbooks or our calendars or, and, or just the decisions we've made in the past six months, and we could see from them what we truly value. But Ben also mentioned that how in Christ we're given a new value system, a new love. That's because in Christ we're moving on from the kingdoms that, that we try to build up in our own uh, by ourselves onto the kingdoms of God and what he is building up. Of these values, 
values that we have here at Rimrock, Ben talked about three of those. He told these three things truly are what we believe God has set at the heart of who we are. And if you didn't get to listen to that, I, I really encourage you to jump online. We have our sermons available on there. Just check that sermon out. It just gives you a, a broader scope of what we feel God has called us to. But today we're going to talk about the other two core values. And those are truth and grace. Just small topics. I don't think you can get very, very far in our church when looking at who we are, the ministry we do, the message that we carry without coming across both of these words, truth and grace. And I, I do believe that this is both natural and intentional. Because we as a church are absolutely called to have um, these two pillars, these two truths in our church and in our lives as followers of disciples and disciples of Jesus. And so as we look at these two values together today, I want to discover with you why we believe truth and grace are pillars that we are called to have. And I want to take a look at evidences of those values and what God is doing in and through Rimrock Church. But before we get, go on into God's word, let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you so much for just who you are. Father, that you call us to something outside of ourselves. Father, that you give us purpose, you give us truth, you give us grace. And Father, that you call us to, to live out all of these things in a relationship with you. So, Father, open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us just to focus here and to be challenged. And, Father, really just to worship you when looking at how these values of truth and grace have already lived out in our church, Father. We thank you so much for that. We give you all the glory today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to start with truth. All right, what is truth? You know, if you go to our church website, we have a page on there called What We Believe. I encourage you to, to go on there at some point and check that out. And on this page that you will see that we actually have all five of our core values listed on there. But under truth, when you look at that part of it, you will see that it says that we as a church follow the Bible as our primary and final authority. That it, and then it lists Psalm 119, verse 16, as a scripture reference which says, I will delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. So for Rimrock Church, we are answering the question, what is truth, just like King David would. We are saying that our truth is the truth we find in Scripture, that it is God's word and that it is eternal, far outweighing our own opinions or justifications on matters, right? And we're saying that such truth is a standard, it is canon, and that it is what we draw from to build our worldview and doctrine, and as such, it is our authority in, and all, in all things, with this proclamation, we're also saying that we won't neglect his word no matter what. That in the beginning, the middle, and the end of our days, his truth is what reigns supreme. So no matter what topic we're considering, no matter what issues we're facing, and no matter what the situation is that we're weighing, we will look to God's word as our authority, and we will do so unashamedly. We do this because we accept as a reality here at Rimrock, the very words of Jesus who, to, who told us that the truth will set us free. And a, a part of that is the realization that the opposite of that is also true. That when truth gets skewed or that we believe and act in an alternative truth or, or falsehood, it imprisons us. And we see this in our world all the time, don't we? I mean, because the world outside of Jesus defines truth in a much different way. I mean, just for, if you don't, haven't really thought about that, just think of the people around you in, in, your, in your circles, in your areas of influence. 
how would they answer the question, what is truth? We would most definitely get all sorts of answers, wouldn't we? Our culture basically says that that truth is fluid. That that for each person, it's simply what he or she firmly believes in. It's not just the the kind of beliefs, but but those that are firm and rooted in who we think we are. That That if you took those beliefs away, you wouldn't be the same person. But because it's so fluid, there's no real standard. The world says that what, what is truth for you is truth for you, but what's truth for me is truth for me. Does that sound about right? And honestly, just, just being honest, I get it sometimes. I see how people land there. Because what the culture is saying is that, that truth, it's relative. Meaning, depending on your perspective of things, truth kind of shifts. I remember Pastor Steve giving an example, talking about truth one time, and he said, what if uh, Donovan right here, Don- Donovan talked to someone new who, who knew he found out was going to come to Rimrock the next Sunday, and, 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 you know, Donovan told this person to come and sit by them and that they always sit on the right side of the room in the front few, few seats. That's where they're always at, right? So he says, you know, come meet us there. We'll, we'll, you can sit by us. We'll save you a spot. But that the reason that this person was actually visiting the church was because they were invited to, to sing on the worship team. So this, this new person, they come in and, and they sing their songs and afterwards they go to their right. And they, they go and sit over here and they're like, oh, Ben, you, you must be Donovan. But because to them, to their truth, to their perspective, they went to the side they were supposed to go to, right? They're right. You guys are wrong. They're right. That's their perspective, right? Do you see how dangerous this can be when, when there is no standard? When, there, when there's nothing to measure things against, it's kind of a free-for-all. And we can see this perspective difference and how people in our world look just at the church in general. You know, for some people, and I hope for a lot of people in this room and for myself included, because I'm so in love with God's church and, and I see its power and, and its purpose and I see God woven throughout it, even with our differences. But there are some people who, based upon their truth, from their perspective from where they stand. The church is is a place where they don't want any part of because to them it's full of pain, full of heartache, judgment, and lies, and deception. You see, depending on a person's viewpoint, perspective, experiences, biases, all of it, truth appears to be relative. But that kind of belief becomes so dangerous because it actually doesn't free you like so many people believe and that they'll try to tell you that it does. It imprisons you. Because as we proclaim here boldly and unashamedly that there is only one truth standard that that we must compare all of reality to, and that is the very word of God, just like David proclaimed back in Psalm 119. And we know, we know that this issue of truth is so important because Jesus himself told us time and time again how important it was. You know, when standing before Pilate in John chapter 18 While he was being interrogated, Jesus said, the reason, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I would venture to say that that if the very reason that Jesus came down from his throne and down onto this earth only to be persecuted, humiliated, and to suffer and die was for truth, Truth must be pretty important to God. And it should be for us as his followers, don't you think? And guys, here's the thing about that. Jesus didn't stand for a truth that's just relative and fluid. 
based upon someone's perspective. No, he came to testify to the truth, God's truth, and we can see it all throughout the gospel. Beyond this incident with Pilate, Jesus states, I tell you the truth, 75 times in the Bible. In the book of John alone, he states, truly, truly, I tell you, 25 times. I just want to list a few other examples of the importance Jesus puts on truth. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 7, when Jesus was praying for his disciples, he cried out, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. John 8, 31 through 32, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 4, 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and the truth. Even our worship is a worship in truth. You see, it was for the matter of truth that Jesus came to this earth. This can only lead us to the conclusion that, it, that if Jesus held truth, God's truth, in the highest regard, his disciples and his followers must do so also. And for us here at Rimrock Church, we echo these sentiments, and so we hold on to them strongly as a value, as something we love, as a pillar which upon we are built. We can also look at this idea of truth and the validity of the Bible from an apologetics point of view, because many people will say, well, you just can't trust the Bible. How can I build my truth upon something so old and ancient and out, outdated? Many people try to question whether, whether it's something that it's valid enough that we can build our truth around. But did you guys know that the manuscript evidence is absolutely overwhelming when looking at the trustworthiness of the Bible? As you might know, the Bible's made up of 66 books or letters, and, and these books come together as a collection or a library uh, that, that we call the Bible. And this, these books used to be, um, used to be collected and, and copied on manuscripts before we had printers, and, and people would copy them with the greatest of diligence, so much so that they would, after they were done, they would hand it on off to somebody else, and if there was a single mistake found, they would just throw it away. Can you imagine the time that went into that? Right? And, and so... They, they, would, they would do this with, with, the, with the, most, um, just the, the most diligence that they could. Now, <coughs> uh, you know, something that happens over time is, is that the current copies or versions of, of writings differ a lot from the originals. So, so the integrity becomes compromised. Or, or maybe you don't even have enough older copies to begin with, and you, so you can't really trust the current ones to be accurate represent, representations of, of the original writings because you just, you just don't know and you can't trust it. But for the Bible, this just isn't the case, and this claim absolutely cannot be made. You see, to judge the accuracy of a manuscript, you are, you're called to compare what we have now with the oldest or original copies, as well as everything in between. And depending on how accurate they are and how many there are, the better your case is for, for proving them to be true and accurate. This is a lot like, like a court case, right? The more eyewitnesses you have of an incident, the more overwhelming the cases and judges and juries and, and, and lawyers use such evidence to discover and to make a verdict on what is the truth. And we do the same thing with literature. And what you find when you look into it at the Bible through this lens in this way is that you would basically need to reject all of literature that dates back to the Middle Ages, before the Middle Ages. Uh, just look at this. Uh, the, ev the evidence is just overwhelming. We have... Um, over 5,800 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament alone. 
We have another 10,000 manuscripts of the Latin Vulgate. We have another 9,300 manuscripts in other versions and languages. Overall, that makes over 24,000 manuscripts of portions of the New Testament alone. And these date all the way starting back to the second century AD. Isn't that pretty incredible? And maybe you're like, oh, big deal. That's, isn't that normal? It's not normal. Because when we start to compare, there is no comparison. Right? Dating back to antiquity, the same time period, there is no other document that even comes close to this. The book with the second most manuscripts, the Iliad by Homer. Does anybody know how many copies there are of that? Manuscripts? 623. 24,000 compared to 623. You see, truth should come from the evidence, and the evidence is overwhelming. We have in our possession the very word of God that has been so well preserved over the years that there isn't anything even remotely in the ballpark of being its equal. It's in a category all by itself. People have tried to prove the Bible wrong for centuries, and I'm telling you all, you're welcome to it. And actually, in a way, I, I almost encourage it because it always leads you right back to God. It always leads you right back to the truth. And I just don't think it can be done. And if it's inspired by God, like we're saying, it means it's God-breathed, therefore it's trustworthy. And we here at Rimrock Church have made this truth as a pillar of who we are, and we function out of this truth. And we are hopefully showing you that this is a value that we should share together. We can see from this truth that it, it, it tells us that it's profitable for us in so many ways, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for leading us to God's righteousness, and ultimately, and for what I think is the greatest gift of all, for revealing to us all the character, personality, and love of our great Heavenly Father. Isn't it incredible, guys, when we open up our Bibles, something that we do without really thinking too much, but when we open up our Bibles, God himself is revealed to us. It's an incredible gift. And it's one that we here at Rimrock never want to compromise. We want to put God's infallible truth at the forefront of everything we are because it's worthy to be so. Truth matters. And truth is one, and our truth is one that we can trust in no matter what because it's the very word of God and we can see how it's alive in our church. Guys, when looking back at this as a value here at Rimrock, I started thinking about this. You know, we can see the testimony of its power. These aren't just empty words. We have seen this testimony of the power lived out. We can see lives that have been changed through truth, chains that have been broken through truth, and the spirit unleashed in our lives through truth. Guys, this church has a cavalry of people charging forth into this world with truth because for so many of you in this room right now, truth has transformed you. It has set you free. It has unleashed you to go out and change the lives and shape our culture for the glory of God our Father. I have seen and heard, guys, how, how bosses and professionals have allowed truth to come into their places of work, and it's, it's transformed the way they do business. I've seen and heard how parents are taking the truths of God and they're implementing them into their lives and it's transforming their, their marriages and, and their kids. I've seen students take truth and, and boldly go forth in their community standing firm on what God says and people are impacted and God is glorified. You see, truth matters and our truth is an everlasting, chain-breaking, heart-healing, God-revealing, world-changing truth. Praise God. Let's move on to grace. 
Grace is another value that, that when you look back at our church, you cannot escape its influence and testimony and power. You just can't. It's impossible. For many people, this value of grace that we hold so strongly to is exactly what drew you to this church in the first place. Because for many of you, you hadn't experienced it before. And this isn't, you know, tooting our own horn here at Rimrock, but more a testimony of the truth that I was just talking about, right? And when you experienced grace, it changed you. It transformed you because that's exactly what grace does. It never leaves you the same. So what is grace? If you go back onto that page on our website, under what we believe, you'll see that it says under grace that we focus on God's unconditional love towards ourselves and others by standing on God's forgiveness, acceptance, and power. We reject legalism and will not motivate by guilt, shame, or manipulation. And then it lists 2 Timothy 2.1, which reads, You then be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I think that there are many ways to take this concept of grace from Scripture and to, and to try to and define it. But for us here at Rimrock, we see it as the unearned favor of God. The unearned favor of God. So what is favor? What's that mean? Why is it important? Favor is approval and support. It's an act of kindness that is far beyond what is due or expected. And favor is something that we all desire and enjoy here on earth, right? If a boss favors an employee, this usually goes pretty well for the employee, doesn't it? I mean, of course we'd want our boss's favor. That, that, that's going to play out pretty well for us, right? And, and I know this never happens, but, but if a parent favors a certain child, things go pretty well for that child, right? They might be able to get away with a little bit more. I can say that because I was the favorite, so. My mom's here, so she can, she can attest. But, but when looking at this with God, guys, grace is God approving us it's supporting us and giving us a kindness that only he can give, even though we've done nothing to earn it. But we have a hard time with grace. We, we have a hard time with grace because we know our condition, right? We know our condition. The law has made it clear to us that we are broken and that we have failed and that we continue to fail. We know what we are capable of both personally and what others can do by just looking out at the travesties of the world that man commits every day. And so it's hard to reconcile how God can give us favor even in such a sinful state. But that's the beauty of grace. That's what makes this whole thing so incredible, that, that it is unearned. It is a gift that only God can give and he has lavished us completely with. No strings attached to that. It doesn't mean that sin is okay or acceptable. You know, some people get really scared of grace because we fear that it leads man to licentiousness, right? Or that, that people will just go on and do whatever they want with, with a free pass because, hey, we have grace. But grace doesn't justify sin, right? Nothing actually does that, right? Sin is deplorable. It's, it's disgusting, and we all know it because we've all lived it. I don't have to sit there and explain that to you guys. You know but what grace does is it justifies the sinner, not sin. It takes us and it pours upon us God's loving kindness because God himself desires a relationship with us and he loves us as our loving father, so much so that he would rather die than be without us. Have you ever thought about that? God would rather die than be without you, so he sent his son Jesus to lavish his grace on us so not only he would walk out of the grave, but we would too. Isn't that incredible? 
Grace also frees us from the checklist we might think we have to complete to earn it. We could so easily get stuck thinking we have to read our Bibles enough and pray enough or go to church enough or, or be good enough. And if we don't, well, we're just out of luck. We're just hoping at the end of our lives like that, that scale is tilted in our direction, right? But grace frees us from that because remember, it's unearned. It, it frees us to be who we are created to be and to live in the Holy Spirit free from our sin and, to, and the unobtainable pressures of the law. It doesn't make sin okay, but rather it frees us and allows us to move forward in the Spirit, not sinning. Because we have God's favor. It's the only way that's possible. One of the joys of doing youth ministry is watching this blessing of grace pour out into my students. It's my, like, the favorite part of my job. You see, the vision I have for our youth ministry is to unleash teenage disciples as the church of right now. Too often, people look at teenagers or younger people and they think, well... You know, they're, they're the future. Maybe even in the church, they're like, yeah, they're the, ch they're the church of the future. They're going to have their time. So then they kind of shove them off to like the bench or like at least, oh, you're on the JV team. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you right now, guys, that when you do this, you are grossly underestimating who and what God is calling them to be right now. In this moment, here in this body, and out in their communities. You see, I fully believe that grace frees us and our teenagers and our younger people to be the church of right now just like it does for everybody else. And one of the reasons I say this is because I've seen it. I've seen the evidence of grace in them all the time. And I, I, guys, it just, it just keeps coming. And we saw it in this worship band up here leading worship. I see it in my college group when I see, you know, these people taking time out of their lives to, their lives to pour into younger teenagers and, and to be sponsors in our youth group and, and to, to share truth with them. I've watched a group of, of our teenagers sit down with a girl who saw something in this Jesus and in this truth and, and, and in this body of believers at, at one of our winter retreats, and I watched them gently, passionately, and full of spirit lead that girl to Christ. I've seen our student, one of our students stand in front of their peers and boldly proclaim the truths of Jesus and the testimony of his grace in his life, even when that included sharing some of his own pains and struggles. I've seen one student go out of their way in their lunchroom at school, and she went and sat by a girl who was rejected by her peers, who no one paid attention to, and this girl started pouring into her, sitting by her every single day. She even threw a birthday party for her with, with gifts, to which this girl told her it was the first time she had ever received a birthday present. She was a high schooler. When asked why this student of mine was doing this by this girl, she, she re simply replied, because Jesus loves you, and so do I. You see, grace frees us, all of us, to live free and to glorify God in all we do. And I could stand up here all morning talking about, about the evidences of the, that grace in this, in this church and how people are living in that grace and how it's impacting their families, their friends, their community. And I know that I could ask you guys up on this stage to come and tell your own stories of that as well, guys. Because grace, it's unearned favor of God. It's incredible. Because of these testimonies and because of what we find in the truth of truth, God's word, guys, we value grace here at Rimrock Church and we do so unashamedly, just like truth. I want to turn to one more passage of scripture that I believe ties these two values together. And that comes from John chapter 1, verse 14. 
says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus himself came to this world full of these two values, grace and truth. That word fullness in Greek means filled to the capacity or or complete. In other words, Jesus himself was the embodiment of grace and truth in this world. Because of that, we here at Rimrock Church value truth and grace because truth and grace are a person. A person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So what does this all mean for you? Well, hopefully... Hopefully it shows you part of what we're all about here at Rimrock Church. And hopefully you've seen how these values have and continue to play out as we move forward in them together. But I want you to know, guys, that these values and truths and the truths of these values are for each and one of, every one of you personally as well. It's not just something just for us. It's for you. As for truth... The the truths that we find in God's word are eternal and they are universal, which means they are for everyone. Yeah, you. We desire to help unpack these truths here at Rimrock Church and we strive to do so every day. So maybe for you, maybe you have been been living for a different truth. Maybe you have chosen to live for for your own truth or, or a truth that this world has offered you. And I want you to know and realize that God's truth is for you too and that that truth sets you free. And maybe for you, grace is something that you haven't accepted in your own life. Maybe you have believed the lie that you are too broken or that you are too dirty to receive something as beautiful as grace. And I want you to know right now that if that is you, then welcome to the club because none of us are good enough. We're all too broken. But grace doesn't care about that because it unleashes you to live in the favor of God. You can't earn it and you can't earn your way outside of its grasp because God loves you. And because of that, we here at Rimrock love you too. If you fall under one of these categories and and you want to pray with someone and maybe talk to them about learning to accept God's truth and grace in your life, I really encourage you, after service, come up front. During this last song, come up front. We've got, you know, our elders, we've got other staff members, uh, you know, I'll be up here and we would love just to, to, to talk to you and pray with you. You know, like I said, truth and grace are a person. And, and that person is Jesus. And Jesus sets you free and unleashes you to live. If you want to know more about this Jesus that, that carries these promises, that, that died for you on a cross, that, that chose to be your Savior, that we've built these values upon, that Jesus, I encourage you to come up for it as well. We have open arms ready to embrace you. Because that's what we're called to have because of truth and grace. The worship team's going to come back up. And we're going to get ready to close. But I, I'm really excited about this series because for, for us as a church, reflecting backwards on these values leads us to worship and glorify the God of these values because we see it playing out. We, we can see him at work all around us, including in our own hearts, through these values. And for that, he is glorified. It's for his glory. But what it also does, guys, is it leads us to look forward into the future with expectation. It causes us to look forward with expectation. We know the powers of truth and grace. We've seen it and we've experienced it. Can you just imagine what God's going to do through these values as we move forward together? Because I can't wait. It's a blast to be a part of that and just to watch God work. 
If he's working in your heart today, guys, I encourage you to come forward. If you need some prayer, if you need anything like that, please come forward. But for the rest of us, let's, let's pray and let's just worship God for the truth and grace that he gives us. Heavenly Father, we lift you up right now. Father, we thank you for this truth that sets us free. Father, we know we're frail. We know our flesh is weak. We know we could so easily fall into the traps uh, uh, that this world brings, that Satan brings to us, these, these falsehoods that we can so easily get entangled in, Father. But you have a truth that sets us free. It breaks the change. It heals us. It sets a new course in our lives. And Father, that truth ultimately leads us to grace every single time. Because we can't do it on our own. But you can. You have. You've done it. You came to this world and died for us because we needed it and because you love us. And you rose from that grave in victory and because of that we also have victory in you. So Father, we lift this up to you today. We, we worship you because of these things. I am so blown away by just looking at how your truth and grace have, have impacted so many people in this room and in this community. And Father, I look for it with anticipation and expectation of how it's going to continue to do so here at Rimrock Church and so, so far beyond. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Would you tell me what he said?